Hello everyone and welcome to All Things Watched. In this video we are going to be talking about episode 1 of the brand new HBO Max series which is actually season 4 of True Detective and this season actually has a subtitle and it's called True Detective Night Country and episode 1 is simply titled Part 1 and I was really excited to jump into this one and really excited to get to talk about this uh, series because True Detective truly is one of my all time favorite series and I am not someone who is a big fan of investigation shows. I'm not a big fan of things like CIS or NCIS or anything like that or CSI sorry uh, but you know I really really liked HBO's uh, uh, True Detective. Season 1 was probably my favorite and then I absolutely absolutely loved season two. Uh, season three didn't hook me quite as much as the first two, uh, but now here we are with season four, and like I said, this is the first time it has a subtitle, uh, Night Country, and so uh, let's just go right ahead and jump in. I cannot wait to see it. Oh, and also I think it's worth mentioning as well, uh, we did just start a Patreon page, so we will be watching this uh, series over there, so if you want to watch along with me, you can go over and join Patreon. And it's not very expensive, there's only one tier, and I set it as low as I could, uh, considering that I'm in Canada, and they sort of recommend, you know, not to go lower than a certain amount, so I get it set to the lowest uh, amount, and it's only one tier, so if you just, you know, select that one tier, you'll have full access to all of the reactions. I'm hoping to have all of Echo on there soon, and then plus all of this one as well, and we might do Reacher next and Last. So if you like Last, we're probably going to do that next as well. Okay, so with that being said, part one of True detective night country opens up with a quote from hildred castein as a, a, a castein i believe is how you pronounce uh, that name and he says for we do not know what beasts the night dreams when it's uh, when its hours grow too long for even god to be awake and so you read this quote in the opening of this uh of this series and then we have a really cool transition into what appears to be uh some form of native or indigenous person who's hunting uh, and he has this really cool uh you know sniper rifle as you can tell or a hunting rifle really not it's not a sniper rifle but a hunting rifle and he's hunting this pack of i believe they are a form of elk or caribou and uh you can tell when you're watching the the episode that this is CGI. You could also tell at times some of the snow, like when it was snowing, it looked a little CGI-ish, uh, but it still looks good all the same. So even though you can tell it's computer generated, it does look really, really good. And HBO has always done a really good job with their animation. Anyways, you know, you take something like House of Dragons or Game of Thrones, all that stuff looked really good, uh, and that was all done by HBO. And so, uh, and so you have this cool elk, but something really strange happens because the hunter doesn't actually shoot his gun, but then all of a sudden the elks just sort of take off and they run, and then it seems like they end up jumping off of this cliff. Now, all throughout the episode, you will learn that it seems like there's a little bit of almost a supernatural element to it. Uh, seems like, uh, you know, there's, you know, especially later on in this episode when uh, one of the characters whose name I think was Rose ends up having like these visions of someone who's actually supposed to be dead or passed on so I'm not really 100% sure yet uh, this early into the season what any of that means but it does seem like uh, they're trying to potentially 
you know, show us that certain characters are maybe connected to the land or something where it's, you know, sort of spiritual and indigenous and all that kind of stuff. I'm just guessing. I really don't know because we don't know uh, that much yet. We've only seen one episode. So anyways, then we come to the scene here. And this is basically an outpost or some form of biological research facility, which you'll learn later on that it was a biological thing. Uh, and here you just see, you know, the people living here just sort of, you know, doing their thing. And, uh, you know, one guy's eating popcorn and watching a movie while the other guy is, uh, you know, just kind of working and he'll eventually be making a sandwich and whatnot. And you'll also learn that this research facility has all men. There's no women here. It's all men. And so, once again, you know, here you see a, a different room with some different characters. You got the older guy here with his robe and the other guys here. And they're just, you know, doing their calculations and doing their research and working uh, on whatever study it is that they're working on. But something very strange happens into one of the characters. Uh, as you can see, he almost looks frightened. He looks very scared. Uh, you know, there's, there's actual legitimate fright here on his face. And he ends up saying something, I think, he says she is awake or she has awakened or something like that and so when you know when he says that then basically uh, the the episode ends up cutting and uh, and then we end up coming uh, I believe it was to the opening credits at that point and what's very interesting then after the opening credits uh, you learn here December 20th which is the third day of night because when you go that far up north especially up in Alaska or you know up in the Yukon or anywhere that's really close to the uh, North Pole or, or that far north uh, for anyone that has experience with that kind of you know being up in those locations there's oftentimes uh, massive amounts of daylight and then massive amounts of nights so you end up getting you know half the year where it's dark and then half the year where it's light and that's just because of the way the earth is and the way the sun is and whatnot and just the way everything you know rotates so to speak so this you know the further north you are the, the more like this it is it becomes daytime a lot more and then it becomes uh, nighttime a lot more for half the year so here in this scene it's specifying that this is December 20th which is actually the third day of night which I'm guessing is why they subtitled this series Night Country because the whole thing is going to take place in the dark so uh, right after we get that sort of weird sequence with the guys you know speaking she's awakened here is when uh, you know a delivery driver ends up appearing and of course he's here because well obviously he's delivering supplies and I would assume that this is something that happens at least bi-weekly if not weekly I would say that you know this gentleman is arriving here every day or, or every week or every two weeks just because I feel like you know they probably wouldn't have enough room there to be able to store food for too too long and plus where it is a research f uh, facility which I think you do learn later on that it's funded by grants and stuff like that like grants uh, I believe they said like government grants and stuff so I would assume that this facility is very heavily uh, monitored and is probably visited by you know uh, people or maybe even officials quite frequently but I could be completely wrong because it is very isolated maybe nobody ever goes there but either way the delivery man shows up and he notices right away you know he goes into the building he notices right away that there's something very off and very peculiar about this whole situation because you know normally I guess somebody would be greeting him probably helping him to unload the truck and now he cannot find anybody not even someone to be able to just simply get a signature to you know sign the paper so that he can go on his way uh, but of course he ends up going in because he you know he can't leave without the signature so he goes in looking around and he ends up coming to this 
dark hall and I took this screenshot the best that I could uh, because of the fact that you know it was really hard to pause on this section uh, but when he looks down this hall one of the lights are blinking and it's almost like this shadowy figure is running by and once again like I said this episode is really playing into almost a supernatural uh, you know t entity type of thing because like I said later on in the episode we'll be introduced to another character named Rose who will end up seeing somebody who is supposedly dead so I'm not really 100% sure like I said how they're going to uh, you know play that off but I, what I will say is that during this opening sequence one thing that I did notice is that I really felt like this was uh, a, a very reminiscent to the I can't quite remember what year it was but to John Carpenter's The Thing which took place it was very similar you know in a remote isolated research facility where there was this monster this science fiction type monster which ends up coming and now in this case it's nothing science fiction but it does sort of have like I said those supernatural elements so I'm very curious to see if True Detective would actually be willing to go there I kind of hope they don't because one thing I always liked about True Detective was how grounded it was so I don't I don't know that they'll do that but anyways he ends up looking around uh, the, the delivery man we get that weird shadowy figure and of course he ends up finding a tongue uh, which we which we'll learn later on ends up sort of uh, being related to a previous case from years ago uh, but then once we get to that part uh, then we are introduced to some of the main characters and it's from what I can tell so far after the first episode the story will be told from two of these uh, perspectives as you know if you're familiar with the previous episodes and previous uh, seasons of True Detective there's usually always at least two season one had two partners season two had three partners four really and then season uh, four I believe had two or season three had two partners so here uh, the officer on the left her name is officer Evangeline Navarro or officer Navarro and you'll learn as this es es episode continues that she used to be some form of investigator or something like that but she ends up getting demoted to trooper which you learn just in conversation that she has with Jodie Foster's character uh, but you know so we'll get to that later on so she's here investigating something some form of disturbance or something happening here at this uh, what seems to be a plant they're working at some form of plant so she goes there and she ends up uh, you know finding the person that caused the disturbance and whatnot it seems like maybe he attacked uh, the woman here on the left and so uh, officer Navarro ends up making an arrest and while she's in the process of arresting him she ends up getting a phone call which of course is the uh, the phone call all about the uh, facility in which everybody has gone missing and so that leads us then of course to our next main character who I think is probably going to be uh, even more so the main character probably even more so than uh Callie Reyes who portrays uh, uh Evangeline Navarro and this of course is Jodie Foster and it was really cool to see her it's really nice to see her uh especially in this type of show I think she's going to do a great job throughout the whole series uh I really loved her in this episode and she portrays the character or uh, who is an investigator so maybe a little bit of a higher authority just a little bit of a higher ranking than Navarro and her name is Liz Danvers or Officer Danvers and so she's with, uh, you know, this other uh, officer here as well. And he seems to me like he could end up 
potentially being like a crooked cop or a cop that's easily bribed or paid off or something like that. I'm not really 100% sure, but I, he, you know, I get bad feeling. I get a bad feeling from him. I don't necessarily think that he's involved with the murderers itself, but I do think he's given off a really weird vibe. Uh, so, anyways, they continue on and they go in, and she ends up meeting Peter, who was actually the son of the officer that we were just talking about. And so she, he's like looking at computers and, you know, using his talents and his skills and, you know, working around the network trying to figure out some information on the victims. And he does. And as you can see, uh, you know, some of these people, as you can see, they're, uh, they're bio, uh, biochemists. So that's, I guess, the type of uh, research facility that we're looking at is, is they're like biological chemists, I guess. So a combination of the both probably testing you know life forms and stuff like that but either way you know he's using his skills here to uh, look through the bio of each of the employees and so eventually they end up coming to the room that we've seen in the beginning in the opening of the uh, of the episode before they all went missing and she finds something here that's just which is very strange which says we are all dead now once again i'm sure that will play a very significant role later on but at this point we're not really sure what that means and we don't really know why that would be wrote, written there and this could have been written there by that weird shadowy figure that we seen earlier when the delivery driver was going through the building i have no doubts in my mind that that's probably uh if not the killer, definitely a witness to the person that killed them all. And I would say, but I do think 100% sure that that shadowy figure, which I don't think is going to be a ghost, I do think it will be an actual person, but I think that um, I think that, that shadowy figure is the one who marked this on the whiteboard. We are all dead. I do not think that that was the killer. I think it was her. And I just think that she probably witnessed something or just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Either way, it's a pretty cool uh, scene. So then uh, Foster's character, or Officer Danvers, ends up coming over then finally and picking up the tongue. And this is when we sort of learn about the, uh, or at least learn the idea, or have an idea that this is something similar to a case that happened in the past. Because she explains to Peter that uh, this is uh, a, a the tongue of a native uh, woman and she knows this because of the lacerations on the tongue she know she knows that it's something that the indigenous women did in this certain tribe like they would use their tongue to that's actually said do something with the fishing line or something like that and so that's that's essentially what would cause lacerations and almost permanent scars on the tongue and so you can tell she's very intelligent and she knows a lot about this area and so she's sort of you know training Peter it's almost like she's training him but at the same time he's really good as well he's really good with the technical side as we've seen him working on the computers he also trusts her quite a bit as well which we'll learn later on in the episode when he actually decides to help her over his own father and so this is the first time now when we actually meet Rose and Rose is here and she is gutting this I guess a wolf uh, seems too big to be a coyote so she's here gutting this really big wolf and this is the first time we really see something that actually is supernatural and she ends up seeing this character who I think they said his name was Travis and you learn at the end of the episode that this uh, character is actually already dead so it's not Rose that's dead but Travis is dead and Rose for some reason actually sees him once again you know it was too early in this in the episode to really know why she would see him but anyways this is the first time we we get a glimpse of that and you can tell that 
you know there's something not right about him anyways he's out here in this freezing cold he's not wearing any hat or gloves or even any socks or shoes or anything like that so it's just a very strange thing uh for him you know to be standing there and so then finally we come back to uh, Navarro and Danvers and this is the first time that at least from our perspective the audience this is the first time we see them actually meet and this is when we really uh, dive into uh, you know information about uh, an old case which was about a character who I think they were calling Annie K or at least that's a nickname for her who also had a bunch of stuff uh, which was actually a very brutal murder you know she was stabbed 13 times I think they said she was beaten and battered even after she was already dead and her tongue was cut out which is sort of the link uh, to this modern case and, and whatnot and so we actually see flashbacks in this episode from both of their stories as well and so you can tell that there's a lot of tension between them two um, you know Liz or Danvers seems a little bit aggressive towards Navarro but at the same time I think she does respect her but she just always sort of has that you know tough look she doesn't really you know show any signs of weakness or, her, or she definitely doesn't let her guard down when she's around Navarro so but you can absolutely feel the tension there but I do think that in the end they will end up working together and so later on then we end up getting uh, Danvers she ends up leaving uh, leaving the station and of course this is when we start to uh, you know learn a little bit about Danvers because she ends up being in the vehicle uh, with her daughter and you know there's a lot of stuff going on there personally her daughter ends up like making some form of inappropriate video with another young woman who I believe they say was 15 but eventually the daughter uh, you know f uh, corrects her and says well actually she was 16 but they actually end up <laughs> videotaping it or something and Danvers was like you know that's a video I had to watch and she doesn't like that but uh, while she's out she ends up uh, there ends up being a car accident from a drunk driver and as she's walking along she ends up getting this flashback now we have no idea what that flashback is yet but it definitely relates to some form of accident because her daughter is very startled by this accident as well so we definitely know that there's going to be there's some kind of history between them and accidents we just don't know what it is yet but they're definitely uh, we'll definitely see that I think within the next few episodes uh, we'll figure that out and so then you can see here I believe this was Peter who's actually arresting uh, the drunk lady the drunk driver and she's you know she's like please don't arrest me you know my daughter won't talk to me and this and that and everything else and you know it's just kind of typical small town stuff and I, I'm pretty sure that the reason why this scene is significant is not so much that it's significant to the story itself I think they're just trying to set up the setting uh, in like in terms of location show us that this is the type of environment that the show is taking place in this is an environment which is full of you know indigenous people and also full of white people and then there's you know such a small place and also so isolated that you know they just kind of do what they like you know they drink and drive and you know there's probably a little bit of hatred between the two groups and the two cultures and whatnot and you know there is a few racist remarks made uh, in this episode or at least alluding to the idea uh, that, that you know racism is a, a, a big thing with, with this series at least that's what they're alluding to so they arrest her and then we come back to then Danvers daughter and I'm trying to remember what uh, Danvers daughter's name was her name was I can't quite remember what her name was but either way uh, it's Danvers daughter and this is her 
and this is where she's very uh, shaken by the accident like I was saying she was very startled and this is also when she corrects her mother telling her mother that uh, the, the person on the tape was not 15 she was 16 so then we go back to Navarro and now she is going and visiting this character who uh, I'm not 100% sure what his name is yet but this is where we learn that this I think this guy was the father of the victim of known as Annie Kay and so he basically asked her, you know, hey, did you find any new evidence or any new information about the case? Are you reopening the case? Are you reworking the case? Or for that matter, is this even related to that case? And she basically explains to him that she doesn't really know right now at this point in time if it's related to the case, but there are a lot of similarities. And so we end up getting a cool flashback, which is pretty brutal, pretty bloody and whatnot. So I can't show uh, any of that crazy stuff on YouTube, but... You know, it is uh, an important flashback. It shows that Navarro used to be in the military, and which is probably what led her to be, uh, you know, some form of investigator. She was probably like a special ops investigator, but then eventually end up just, you know, getting out of the military and then just going in as a normal, uh, you know, police officer and whatnot. And but either way, it's a really brutal scene. And we also learn later on in the episode as well that it was Navarro that actually ended up finding Annie Kay's body, uh, you know, from the previous case, not this modern case, but the previous case. So I think what this does really well for Navarro's, uh, Navarro's character is that this shows us she has seen some crap. You know, she has been through, put through the ringer. She's seen a lot of crap, and she probably struggles a little bit uh, from post-traumatic stress, uh, and she probably struggles mentally uh, more than what she lets on, even though she is does seem like a very strong, very independent character. So meanwhile, back at the uh, precinct, uh, Danvers is here and uh, Peter's father is about to release this drunk driver uh, and Danvers makes some pretty crude remarks about how they they might have been having an affair together and whatnot and she tells him no put uh, put him back in put her sorry back into the cell uh, and don't let her out just because she's making a big deal just because she's making a fuss we also learn in this scene as well that uh, Peter's father, or the older officer here, he actually has all of the investigation files from Annie Kay, and he sort of plays dumb by saying that he doesn't have them or that he doesn't remember if he has them and whatnot, but once again, like I said, he's being very suspicious, but because they're focusing on him so much, it makes me wonder if they're just doing that to sort of you know make you think it's one thing but then eventually they'll sort of pull the rug out from under you and it'll turn out that he actually has nothing to do with it or maybe he helped cover it up but i don't still don't think he's the actual reason why these people went missing but he is acting a little strange i do think that he might know something or maybe have some information that could help the investigation but he's just sort of holding it back and so uh eventually as the night goes on uh peter which is his son Peter ends up going, coming over with Liz Danvers because she convinces him to steal this box of evidence and bring it over so that they can, you know, look at it and go through the evidence and she can sort of, uh, you know, not necessarily reopen the case, but sort of, you know, quietly reinvestigate, sort of do her own investigation of the old Annie K case because of the amount of similarities that this new one has, you know, like the cut out tongue, you know, likely indigenous woman, so... You know, she's just sort of doing her own thing here, and he agrees to help her, which is what I was saying earlier, how he kind of <laughs> trusts her and respects her even more so than his own father. And so, 
you can really tell that he's going to play an important role. I would not be surprised if he might even be involved because he seems so innocent and he seems to trust her so much that I think if the series wanted to pull the rug out from under you, it would be a good idea to maybe have it so that he's involved or maybe he did something uh, somehow, especially considering that he's young. He probably will be young and strong enough to be able to do something. But like I said, it's too early to know yet, uh, and I could be completely wrong. Maybe he's completely innocent, but I but I don't know. Just the way <laughs> the way that he 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 acts and the way that he is, he seems almost a little too innocent. Uh, and then we get a really cool shot here when uh, Danvers has all the evidence, all the pictures of the previous case, and plus I think the present case, uh, and all that kind of stuff. A bunch of different cases, a bunch of different uh, you know suspects and whatnot. And she has them all laid out, and this really gave me a lot of good vibes from the very first season of True Detective, which I believe uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey's character, I think his name was Russ, uh, and this really made me think about Russ, except she's probably a little bit cleaner, she doesn't smoke, she doesn't appear to be drinking really, uh, whereas Russ, you know, was heavy into the drugs and drinking and alcohol and smoking cigarettes and all that stuff. Here, I don't think Danvers is that type of character, but it still shows that she gets very heavily involved with the investigation, and the investigation is really a part of her life, and plus I just thought it was a really cool scene it looks really cool, uh, you know, just seeing her surrounded by all the evidence. And so then we end up coming back here again to Travis. Once again, we know that Travis here is actually dead, so I'm not really 100% sure, once again, how this is going to play into the overall greater uh, arc of the story. But it's obviously going to be important because he ends up showing Rose remembering back to Rose who got up the big wolf well she ends up following him and he points a certain direction to her and she ends up going and of course ends up actually finding all the bodies which is how this episode ends but before we get to the actual end of the episode then we learn that Danvers goes back to this uh, you know isolated secure lab or uh, testing facility or research facility whatever you want to call it and when she goes back she hears someone looting around and so she pulls out her gun and it turns out that it is Navarro and this I think is where Navarro and um, and Danvers is going to start working together because they do sort of have it out and she does make a couple of little remarks as to you know the difference in the indigenous people and the race and whatnot and I won't go as far as saying like this is not at least as of right now I wouldn't say that this is too much of a woke series but you know it can be annoying sometimes when whenever you watch one of these types of series and every white person has to be racist you know because that's not true in real life I mean racism is real but not every white person is racist uh, but either way you know they, they sort of have that little bit of banter and while they're going back and forth then Danvers ends up getting a phone call and that is of course the phone call that they ended up finding all of the bodies from Rose and so we get a really cool scene here where the helicopter flies in and of course uh, Danvers and Navarro ends up going together and while they're going towards the bodies Danvers just kind of goes on by like it's no big deal but Navarro actually stops and speaks to Rose and she asks Rose you know how did you figure out you know where the bodies were how did you find them and Rose tells her uh, <laughs> that Travis showed her but obviously that's not possible because Travis is supposed to be dead uh, and so Navarro actually says that to her she said Travis is dead and Rose just says I know and then of course he ends up going and they find the bodies and 
at least three of the bodies anyway but i would assume that they're all end up they'll all end up being there and they all look like they have uh pretty interesting expressions on their face and they're all buried in snow and they're actually frozen so the fact that uh you know one of them kind of looks like they're screaming i guess we'll have to wait to see did they actually die outside did they die from actually freezing to death or were they killed first so we don't really know that yet because they're buried uh, in the snow and so we don't really you know it's just too early to say yet because we don't know uh what's going on there but either way that's how the first episode ends and all in all honestly i thought it was a really good first episode i thought it was very strong uh like i said i'm curious to see the supernatural part of it like i, I hope that it doesn't turn out that it's actually a supernatural story but like i said this is the first time that any of the true detective series actually had a subtitle this one is called night country so I'm very curious to see where it goes from here. I really like part one. I thought it was a great strong opening. Very interesting. Great job at showing some of the characters. Giving them a little bit of backstory to sort of give us uh, just enough to have an understanding of where they come from. The way they think. The way they act. Uh, you know, in the case of Navarro, we know that she was from the military. We know that she has seen some stuff. So it'll be, you know, it'll be curious to see how she has to deal with that moving forward will that end up you know maybe clouding her judgment we did learn in this episode that she got a little bit too attached to the previous case with annie k which is why she ended up being demoted to a trooper and i think that they also said in this episode that it was danvers that actually did that danvers was the one that actually demoted her so it'd be curious to see that feud sort of happen i don't know that they're going to have many more scenes where they're actually fighting against each other because i think they did a pretty good job with that here in this episode I, uh, but i mean there might be like one blow up eventually uh, i'm sure there, there could be one more blow up but i don't think it would be necessary because they sort of you know said their words and sort of made their peace i think uh by the end of this episode so i do look forward to seeing uh, Danvers and uh, Navarro's relationship uh, growing uh, and sees where that heads as the story goes and also Peter I'm very curious to see uh, Peter's story and whether or not he is actually involved I think he is to some degree uh, just because they seem to be focusing so much on his father it's almost like the straw man argument you know it's, it's, they're sort of leading leaning you uh, or leading you to think one thing but I don't think it's gonna really you know become become anything I, I just i don't know it's hard to tell I, I think peter is probably more likely to be the one that's involved uh, and then also we had to learn as well about uh, about Danvers' daughter and that video that she made with the 16 year old so i'm sure that will come back up eventually i'm sure that'll become a problem in future uh, or, or maybe not maybe that's uh, I, I don't think that they would have focused on that that much and it not become a, a problem but i guess we'll have to wait and see uh, where they want to go uh, go with that but overall i really loved episode one i thought it was great i cannot wait to see the series as a whole and it's really fun and like i said i do have a patreon started now so if you want to watch it with me uh then head on over there like i said i got the tier as cheap as i could uh and it's only one tier so once you uh, sign up you'll get access to all of it uh and eventually once we're able to get members on uh, membership on youtube then i'll i'll put them on there as well and all that good stuff but uh, that's pretty well my review and my thoughts on the first episode of true detective night country and that's pretty well all i got so let me know in the comment section below if you've seen this one and if you like to tell me why or why not if you like this video click that subscribe button and until the next one take care